0: morning church. Good morning, good morning. Uh, We are going to start off with a word of prayer and then uh, we'll get started here. Uh, Dear God, thank you for this time that we have together to be able to worship you. Uh, Thank you God that we have this opportunity to be able to hear your word, be able to read it. Uh, What an amazing privilege it is that sometimes we can take for granted. Uh, And not only that, but we're able to worship together. Uh, God, what an amazing thing it is to be able to Enjoy uh, the fellowship that we have, but then also be able to hear some amazing voices. And now, God, I just pray that you prepare our hearts to be soft to what your word says. God, have us be prepared for uh, the change that you want to be able to implement in our lives, if we let you. I love you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I am obviously not Elias or Christian. Uh, my name is Brandon Yi, and along with my wife Lauren, who's been playing guitar. Uh, We lead the youth and family ministry for all of Austin. Uh, I've come to visit a couple of times, but uh, this is actually my first time preaching here, actually. Uh, And so, you know, this is uh, where obviously I've heard a lot of great things about Tribe. And obviously we've got a couple of teens as well uh, that are from Tribe. And so uh, I just want to be able to say, you know, we're excited to be here. It's going to be awesome. Uh, So if you guys hopefully have been coming around, we're in the middle of a series, uh, and it is called Being. Being. And so hypothetically, Elias and Christian have been following the notes that we were supposed to all be following. Otherwise, this either is highly repetitive or a completely different direction than where they've been going to. So, but I I am really excited about this particular series because I I do think that right now there are are so many questions about how, how we define who we are today. There are so many different ways in which people are trying to wrestle with what is it that determines who I am. And when we think about Christianity, when we think about church, when we think about God, I think those things are all things that we can wrestle with. And to kind of be very, very blunt and uh, kind of start off here with, with just kind of stating the obvious, I think one of the first questions we've got to ask ourselves is what actually is a Christian? And you may think, oh, that, that's a very simple answer for me. I've, I've grown up knowing what that is my whole life. Uh, maybe for some of you it's, it's something new that you've walked into, or maybe you don't even know what that really is other than some portrayals on TV or maybe whatever you see um, some in the people in your life. But I think we've got to be able to actually go back to that basic for us to be able to really understand who it is that, that God calls us to be. And so we're going to start off, I'm going to do just a heads up. There are going to be three Kind of points that I'm making, that will be uh, literally right now. That's not like I have a three-point sermon. It's there are three points I'm going to make that have three scriptures that align with that. Just just hear me out. And and those three points, I think, and and those three ideas that we get from the Bible, kind of lay out whatever the rest of what I'm going to talk about today. And I think it is important that we understand where it is that our ideas come from, and that it is not just Brandon just woke up one day and had a really cool idea. Or on the drive over, it was like, man, this would be cool to talk about. Uh, But these things are rooted within the word. And something that you can look yourself, and maybe two days from now, you're like, I don't know if what that guy said was true. I'm not sure, but let me go look at this thing. And so you have an opportunity to be able to see where this thing is rooted in. So we're going to look at three scriptures very quickly that will roll over into the rest of this sermon. So the first one is Genesis 1, verse 27. It says here very simply, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So the very, one of the very first things that we understand from the Bible is that God had created us in his image. And I think that's very important that this is not some sort of uh, science experiment in which he tried to make something different. He created us with, with him in mind. He created us with the intent and purpose of putting himself into us as well. That we are reflections of him. And that is the start of who we are. That is the start of mankind. The second thing is in John chapter 10. Like I told you very quick. John chapter 10, in verse 37 and 38. It says here, Do not believe me, this is Jesus speaking, unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I the Father. So then we understand here that Jesus is a representation of God, the Father, that who he is is a reflection of God. And the third scripture here is in Colossians chapter two. And that's kind of the meat of where we will be today. But all these scriptures line up together and connect with each other in an interesting way. It says here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God." helps us to see that by living like Jesus, by knowing Jesus, we also know God and are being transformed into God's likeness more and more. That this process is a continual one, right? This is not some one moment in your life that you decided, hey, I want to be able to follow God, and from there, my life was just kind of the same. It, it changed from where it was before, and now it's just it's up here, it was a drastic change, but now it has just been like this for 1, 2, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. This story is a continual one. What we see in Colossians 2 is we see this constant change and call for us to choose to be rooted, Choose to make this life be something that we want to live, to continue building and being strengthened. right? There are moments uh, in our life, but But it's not meant to be just this one individual moment that changes. It's meant to be this this continual change that happens. And I think that's also an important thing for us to realize, too, because it's easy to get complacent and not transform into who God intended us to be. And, And it's not actually even changing us into something that we are not. He's actually bringing us back to where we always started from. Because we started Being an image of God. We started being a reflection of Him. And through our own path, we've decided to to meander off. And through Jesus, we're able to go back and transform into the fullness of God. Now, all of this sounds good in principle. Okay? I'm, I'm gonna be the first one to tell you that all this sounds good in principle, right? Journey of Christianity. This is awesome. Go back to where we were supposed to be. But oftentimes, we can view Christianity in a lens of of oppressive change to who we are. Oppressive change to who we are and hard teachings. Oppressive change to who we are and hard teachings that force us to be different. And none of us like to be told what to do. Okay, it does not, I, I, I'm just going to say that as a general blanket statement. Maybe you do like being told what to do. But in general, I would say throughout human history, we have all basically agreed nobody likes that. It is hard for us to be able to do something that is against what we believe. Against what we feel, even. You know, oftentimes we can feel that Christianity, and, and this is from my friends and, and looking on the internet and talking to people, that Christianity is this long-waiting process that can, that can try our patience, right? How many times do we have to say, you know what, God's got a plan, I guess. I don't really know exactly what it is, but God, you know, I'm sure there's some plan somewhere, and we can feel like it's a constant process in which we're just waiting. We're just constantly waiting. And oftentimes, we can feel like we are too messed up or we've been messed up for too long to actually do what the Bible says. That we can read the Bible and be like, man, that sounds great for people who have not really messed up as much as I have. This sounds great for those people who, who have had so much life or, or have so much more to go, but, but I am too damaged and hurt to be able to actually do what the Bible says. And, and we can have a, a feeling of self-doubt, of insecurity to not, being, to not be able to actually follow through with what the Bible says. You know, I grew up having this understanding that Christianity was ultimately fulfilling but challenging and, like, dramatic, right? Constantly defined by these ideas of denying myself or choosing the right things with the faith that God knew what he was doing, right? While, while oftentimes I would watch wistfully at the people around me doing things that seemed much more fulfilling, right? I'd be like, man, you know, God's got me, but... It does look pretty good over there. There seems to be less of a waiting period. You know, it's like the whole world got like two-day shipping, and I've got like two-month. You know, they're like, wow, they got that thing right now. It's like God says just wait, and here I am, just ain't got a tracking number or anything. I'm just, I don't even know if it like left the the, the shipping containers or anything. Like, I don't know. You know, like these are real things, right? Like like, for me, when I have a package, I want to know exactly where it is. I'm like, it's in Kentucky now? Okay, so we're we moving across the country. Then I guess and if that means two days by a, you know, by, a, by a truck, then maybe the district. You know, then you start doing the math, trying to figure out when your package is going to get there. And then that's where we are now, right? I mean, we have like detailed tracking of when our stuff is supposed to get to us. Like I was looking at one of my packages one day from Amazon, and it literally said how many stops away it was from my house. I was like, this is both amazing and terrifying, that they're just like, man, it knows exactly where it is. But, but I think that's part so much. But I love it, right? I'm like, man, I know exactly where this thing is. I can be at my door ready to get my package so it's not just gone when I come back home. But I think this is part of, I think part of who we are is we want to be able to see the fruits now. And if we don't get it now, we want to know at least a general picture of when those fruits are going to come. And I think this is part of what makes Christianity difficult. This is part of what makes Christianity difficult because there's a faith component that is not easily exercised and often exercised today. See, back in the day, back in the day meaning like, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, <laughs> you know, packages were like two weeks, two months sometimes. And you were just like, when it gets here, it gets here. And I'm perfectly content. If, if, if something is more than two days, I'm not content. <laughs> I'm like really questioning whether I'm going to buy the thing. You know, it's it's not two-day shipping. I don't know, man. Maybe it ain't that worth it. Right? So so even our own personal mentality of how we think about life has changed, as culture has changed. And that we have to be able to to, to see that that would impact how we view God as well. That would impact how we view the things that, that cost a little bit of time. You know, and, you know, many times... Uh, I think I look at Christianity. I've looked at Christianity my my whole life, and I've seen this amazing picture. Right, You go to church on Sunday, and somebody builds this amazing picture of redemption and and heroic and and people changing. You hear stories and, and all these amazing things, and many times I've sat there, and I'm like, man, that sounds great for those people, but not necessarily for me. Right, And and there's many reasons why that may be the case. But for me, personally, just to let you know a little of my life, my family has a history, not very far removed, like I'm talking uncles and grandparents, aunts, that kind of a thing, of crime, like legitimate crime, people going to jail. Okay, We got infidelity multiple different times. We've got people getting cut off from the family. We've got alcoholism. We got people with significant depression suicidal ideations and tendencies, that, that's all not like, a, oh man, you know, six generations ago, my family was a mess. It's like, no, 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 this is very real, right? And, and when you are in this environment for so long or, or even generations, that's been the story of your family for generations, it can be easy to think, man, Jesus is awesome for those people that are not like me and not like my family because my family has been messed up for generations, and I don't know if I'm the one that's going to be the one to stop all this, right? Because this this just seems impossible. So in my darkest days, right, I can look at the call of Christianity and have some pretty real doubts whether Jesus can actually work with me, or I can really struggle with not wanting to do the monumental work of changing the things in my life that are generational and deeply personal sins in my life that seem impossible. You know, maybe you guys can relate. But what I have realized, though, when I'm not in those darkest days, is that this is the wrong way to look at this. This is the wrong way to look at this. And so I wanted to, to share all those things that are very real uh, about my life with you to say, not uh, to, to maybe hopefully bring your guard down a little bit of man, we have this dude preaching at us, and these guys all have fantastic lives, or their lives have been blessed by the Lord. And the Lord has blessed my life immensely. But that does not mean that my life has been amazing or perfect or even is at this moment. And I have to choose to believe and have faith every day. You know, if if I see and if you see Christianity as this slog of a life, some brutal boot camp that just doesn't seem to end, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Because it is an amazing redemptive journey to who we were meant to be. And if that's not where you were coming in this morning and your understanding of Christianity, I just hope that what I'm about to say helps you get there. You know, it, what really helped me visualize this, right? Maybe you're like, okay, Brandon, that sounds great. A lot of words. Let, let me visualize something for you. And this is what really helped me. I was on Instagram, scrolling, looking at some videos. And there was this, there was this video that I landed on where... It's, it's a guy who's going around and, and uh, rehabilitating furniture, right? So he goes to like antique places and like takes furniture, buys them for super cheap, does some amazing stuff, and like, wow, look at this piece of. And we've all seen those. It's all pretty cool. You know, takes our attention for like two and a half minutes, you know? So it's like, you know, and it's just time lapse, et cetera, right? So, so let, let me explain to you this video. So this guy, he goes to, a, um, to some sort of antique place or maybe a salvation army or something. He's going and he finds this bench, it's an old bench. Think, uh, imagine like your grandma's like piano table, like grandma's piano table, like that weird, very dark walnut brown and like weirdly shiny. You know, it's like it doesn't I don't understand how it's that shiny or why it's that shiny. Uh, But yeah, so that's 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 the that's the visualization, right? You got this bench that looks like that. And he's like, man, it's super cheap. He takes it back to his workshop and he starts taking it apart. And what he finds is that the the actual flat part of the bench is just one piece, right? It's one piece. And the legs, he's like, "Ah, I'm not really that interested in the legs, but I want this one piece. It's pretty long. And he wants to be able to make something great out of it, right? So he he, he takes it apart. He takes this long piece of wood. And he starts putting chemicals on it to just strip everything that is on this piece of wood away, right? So he's just pouring all this stuff on there. It's like very weird. Uh, it's like crazy to watch, like these things like bubble up, and so for overnight he does two or three different types of very harsh chemicals to take the paint and the varnish and, the, and and everything that's been on this piece of wood for forever away, and so he's scraping it all off. But th- he's not done, right? Anybody that's seen any of these videos, it's not that easy. He then sands it down three different times with three different grains of sandpaper. Now, if you're like me with a very basic knowledge of carpentry that was taught to you by your 7th or 8th grade class. You know that, that the grains of sandpaper help make things just finer. And so he goes and, and, and you know, uses an electric sander three different times. This is a days-long process, right? This is multiple days where he's just working on this piece of wood. He could have just gone to Ikea, <laughs> for real, for real. He could have just gone to Ikea bought something, and in two hours have that table, and that, two hours including driving time. You know what I'm saying? Like literally it would have been done, but instead this is a multiple-day process where he's just working on this piece of wood. And it's amazing because as each of these steps are happening, each of the different grains that are going down, you start to see what this wood actually was. Right? All of those things start to just go away. It's like, oh, wow, this, this, this is like, you know, what wood looks like. Not some strange caramel color, or that seems to have it's like some candied apple situation. Like this is this is amazing that there's actually wood under here. So he's looking at this wood, and and eventually you see this beautiful natural wood. Like just amazing piece of wood. And and after he gets there, he puts some oil. Just some oil to, to seal it. Not to cover it up, not to change what it is, but to show it for all of its natural glory right, and be able to show it, and he creates this amazing table, you're like, wow, that thing could have been, you know, it, it looks amazing, right? He literally removed layers of paint and chemicals to reveal what was the true core of this wood. You know, I love this image and process because I believe this is a representation of what Christianity is. I believe Christianity is like this, where we're not some, just some club or some old method of being better and like, I don't know, uh, not getting divorced or something um, or, or not having issues with money or whatever it may be or being better parents. It's, Christianity is not just, is not those things. It's just not some helpful life tip religion. Christianity, if we are to believe the Bible, is a transformation of our lives and souls into the original incredible state at which we were created. But it is a process. Like it says in Colossians 2, where we have to let our, we have to choose to let Jesus work on us. Right? We have to choose to let Jesus start cutting away and taking away our sin our pride, our arrogance, to strip it away, to cut it out like a surgeon. But we can only do that if we let him. Right? I, I, if, if, I don't know if anybody's gotten surgery or, or is familiar with that world, but if somebody is moving, it is impossible to do surgery. Okay, That's why you're like knocked out, like deep knocked out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just like, you don't even know where you are. Like, it's that kind of knocked out. If you ever had surgery and you wake up, you're like, I don't know who I am sometimes. You're just like, everything is confusing, right? So, we have to actually let Jesus do that work. And we can't be like pointing out and being like, hey, doc, over here. I think this, no, that that, that doesn't make sense, right? When we're looking at this image and this image of this wood being stripped down and being able to be turned into something amazing. The wood has no opinions. The wood is just chilling there. He's just letting that work happen to it. You know, we can let the things of this world that have been put on us or we have chosen to do, we can, we can let it define us. Right? We can be like that piece of wood where we're like, you know what? I'm just ugly. I'm just meant for somebody to throw me out. Ain't no purpose for me. I just, you know... Look like grandma's piano bench. You know, There's just that. I'm, I'm done. I'm cooked. It can be easy for us to think that way and forget what we actually are inside. We can forget what actually is behind all of those layers of life that have colored us and changed us into something that God never intended for us. Right? All the different traumas and choices that we've made are all just on us. And we think, man, you know what? I cannot change. Look at me now. It is, how am I supposed to be what I'm supposed to be? You start comparing yourself to somebody else who looks amazing, and you're like, man, I do not look like that. It's a wrap for me. Why even continue to try? And the longer we have this mess on us, the longer we don't let Jesus start doing that work of putting those chemicals on and washing that stuff away, we can forget who we really are. We can start to forget what is actually underneath all of the different things that have happened to us. We can forget and just think, this is what my life is. This is just who I'm meant to be. But that is not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say that we were created in God's image. So we weren't just made to just be sitting around doing nothing or show up and just have a good, you know, just say hello to people and our lives be incrementally better. We are meant for greatness. We are meant to have this amazing story of redemption for people to look at that, for, look at us and say, wow, what an amazing thing God has done with you in your life. That is what we are meant for. Not to be afraid and ashamed and put in a corner, but to be a centerpiece for the amazing redemption that God has done. You know, for me, asking for help and letting go of my pride has been one of the largest continual undertakings that Jesus has been doing in my life. You know, we have generations of proud Koreans who just never ask for help. Okay, generations and generations, a lot of us. We'd rather starve for days Waiting on a paycheck, then ask for help. You know, pretend like everything is okay when things are literally chaos. All right, maybe you can relate. So when Jesus is calling me to be humble, when Jesus is calling me to be real, when Jesus is, is calling me to be vulnerable and let other people in, those things are difficult. There are some things that are easy. They're like, oh, you know, like be nicer to people sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, you know, maybe go serve at church every once in a while. Okay, I can do that. You know, oh, man, you know, like wake up for church in the morning. All right. But when it starts to come into to who I am, that's much more difficult. That's much more difficult much more challenging to, to wrestle with. And that process is not easy, right? That's, there's a reason why those chemicals are like very dangerous chemicals that you should not be using in an enclosed space. Like, the fumes will mess you up. But it has to be that strong to get all of that stuff off of you. You you have to be in a place where you, are, you have to allow God to do drastic things to your life for you to be able to be made into who you're supposed to be. And the longer we fight and want it to be easy, like, God, just put a little bit, you know, Windex. Just spray some Windex on there. Eventually, it should get out. Eventually, that... Versus, man, God, you you want to transform my life. There's a cost to that. But the amazing part about this and what it says in Colossians 2 is that we have been given this amazing opportunity to have the fullness of God. Which is not fair because of all the mistakes that I know I have made, and I'm sure some of you have, we don't deserve the fullness of God. We don't deserve to be an amazing centerpiece. That people can look at and say, wow, what an amazing journey this is. But that is what God wants for us. He is willing and He has put Jesus into our lives to be able to be this amazing, this amazing journey of transformation. And that is what Christianity is. If we don't see Christianity in that light, and we just see it as this thing that we have to do otherwise, where we might go to hell or something, Christianity, that's, that's not actually lining up. And we're going to have a hard time when God is trying to change us. You know, I was thinking about, um, oftentimes, uh, I, for those of us who've been part of this church or, or church for a long time, people are often like, you know, this is a marathon, right? Like people are like, oh, you know, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Like you gotta, you're gonna be running this life for for your whole life, right? I, my wife and I, we work with teenagers. We just had a 13 year old get baptized, and people are like, yeah, man, you have to be a disciple for like like 85 years. I'm like, this is not helpful. <laughs> okay, this is not this is not helpful. But I understand where you're coming from. We're just gonna let that be. But but right, we're like, man, 85 years this is a, this is a long journey. You got to make sure you're ready for it and all this stuff. And, and for a long time, I was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But a- as I've been doing this a while, that, that mentality is a little terrible because very few people in this world like marathons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, it is very rare to find people who are like, marathons, let's go do it. <laughs> you know, you're not getting group texts from your friends being like, all right, guys, you know what we're doing this weekend after work? Marathon. <laughs> Now's the time. Guys, I know we've been talking about it for weeks. Mar- no, everybody's like, oh, God. We're like on our couches watching people on TV. Never want to do that. <laughs> Never. Couldn't be me. Yeah, people like crying and falling apart, and you're like, "So why I shouldn't have done a marathon. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's literally us, right? So when, when we start thinking, man, Jesus, we got to, it's like a marathon. I'm like, I don't know if this is really the right mentality that we should be going into this because none of us like marathons. Except for the very few. I'm sure there's like one or two people. There's always one or two. You know? like, I don't understand. <clears throat> but what I will say is that if you do meet people who do marathons, and God forbid, ultra marathons, that's a real thing. I didn't know this until very recently. But there are people who do like 50 and 100 mile marathons. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised too. Those people exist. Okay, but but here's the crazy part when you meet these people. These people love these marathons. you got to love the marathon (laughs) to do it. If you're running 50 miles, you have a car behind you, driving behind you to make sure that you don't fall on the road or something, those people get tired. I cannot imagine what it's like for the purpose of running in front of that car. These people love, love marathons. I have two friends who like love doing marathons, and they're excited about it. They buy all the stuff. They're they count down when they're going to go do stuff. They're trying to get their best personal times. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe the marathon analogy isn't a bad one. But I think the thing that's got to change is whether or not we love the marathon. I think that's the thing that's got to change. Because the marathon analogy is true. We're, we're going to have to be Christians for a long time. But the question is whether or not we're going to love being Christians for a long time. The question is whether we're going to be excited about it every day. We're going to be telling our friends about how amazing this is, even when they're like, you're crazy. When we're looking up all the different times in which we can do things to make ourselves better, to be able to to see the the glory of the finish line. That is the mentality we've got to have for this marathon. And it cannot be one of, i got to do this thing again. Got to do this yearly. This, this, is, this is my life now, I guess. That's just not going to cut it. And so hopefully, church, this morning has been encouraging and helpful for you. In which we see Christianity as not as this slog or some terrible thing that we signed up for and didn't understand. But this amazing journey that we love. And it may be hard. I mean, those people are still crying. Those people are still having issues. Like they still like break down and their muscles tear, but they see this as worth it. And as God is putting the work of his hands on us, as we are being slowly but surely turned back into the greatness that we were created for, I just pray and I hope that we have each other to hold on to when things get hard because that is what church is for. It's not, supposed to, it's not for a place to feel bad about what we've done, but to have people hold our arms up as we try and follow Christ. So as we take the communion, I'm just going to read Colossians 2 one more time, because I think, um, just that second part, because I think it encapsulates so much about what this is, what, what we're doing. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought To fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised with Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood out against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. As we take the blood uh, represented by the juice and the the bread, um, I just pray and hope that we see that this sacrifice was meant for us to have this amazing, incredible journey, that Christianity exists because we have this amazing God, this amazing leader in Jesus, that he gives us an opportunity to be able to go back and be who we were meant to be. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this time